Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, it's time for our annual Best and Worst issue, and I have to say, a lot has changed since I first started at the magazine 28 years ago. So back then, we would have multiple meetings and some pretty heated discussions about who belonged where, which show was best, which was most disappointing, you know, who had the best wedding. You get the drift. Well, so now with only four shows, I feel like most of the time we're debating between two options, maybe three, but I will say I think we have an awesome list. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We tend to have these conversations each year as we're debating the categories, like what makes something a best wedding? Is it because it went off without a hitch and it was romantic and had that payoff feel to it? Or is it a best wedding because there were super dramatic reveals or surprise guests or just like generally fun interruptions? Um, I remember feeling very stung a few years ago when we chose uh, Nathan, Levi, and Maxie from General Hospital as the best triangle. So we made that argument, or we made the argument rather in the piece that it was the best triangle because by design, Levi was so obnoxious and so boorish that it was like a genius way to build rooting value for Nathan and Maxie. But I think you had to read the piece to understand that that was our take. Uh, But, you know, people got the list of, you know, what was in the issue and we're talking about the categories and we got so hated on for that pick, even though that was a year where we went like in a different direction about what constituted a best triangle. Conventionally, of course, that's when someone is torn between two equally fabulous options, which was obviously not the case with Levi. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, it's funny. I feel like we had that this year with Best Wedding which went to John and Marlena on days. Now, their first attempt at getting hitched again was interrupted by the arrival of both Sammy and Kristen. And, I mean, Stacey Heideck did, like, such an incredible job Mm -hmm. just, like, walking into that role. But the bride wound up shot and in a coma, so you might say, Mm -hmm. why would that be the best? But it was so dramatic, and ultimately the payoff was the second wedding— which was far more low-key and intimate, um, but really perfect for these two, who, let's be honest, this is not their first rodeo. But on paper, when you see that that was the best wedding, the one where Marlena took a bullet, I could see fans of theirs maybe not agreeing with the choice. But, you know, soaps themselves have changed so much over the years that, to be candid, we are picking from, like, a very different crop of options. You know, like, 1988, we had Cruz and Eden's on-location wedding from Santa Barbara versus... Steve and Kayla's lavish wedding shot on location on a yacht on days. That is truly mind-blowing if you think about it. Yeah, and nowadays we all know it's like, you know, 
this person's living room wedding versus this like slightly <laughs> dressed up restaurant wedding. Uh, you know, not quite the same lavish locales. No, not at all. Um, you know, another place where I feel it becomes a bit of a puzzle is determining the best story of the year. I feel we had a host of good options this year, but we ultimately went with JT's murder on Y&R. Because first of all, it was so well plotted with Thad Luckinbill's return, making JT this abusive creep, and then the Fab Four, as they're being called, covering up his murder. And, you know, it's still playing out today, which just shows how many layers and chapters they've been able to create out of this one jumping off point. Um, You know, but I will say it had competition from itself because we could have just as easily made the case for the Abbott family drama or Hillary's death. Yeah, you know, I I, I think what we try to do is capture the temperature of a given year and how stories are received, you know, but I totally understand why there are some people who will say, I agree with everything on this list. And others will say, I can't believe they called that the best such and such. You know, I hated that, (laughs) Um, you know, because the diversity of opinion among the audience kind of never ceases to amaze me, even within our staff. You know, we all uh, contribute to the creation of the list of options, which we then narrow down. Um, But there were options for like best new couple, for instance, where I was like, what? (laughs) Um, Because it, you know, it is all a matter of taste and opinion, of course. And in some instances, I think how flexible a viewer is with things that maybe take a little license with what has come before determines how much you as a fan can enjoy a story. Like, for example, uh, and we actually had YNR's head writer, executive producer, Mal Young on to speak to this. There were and are some YNR fans who, you know, kind of couldn't get past uh, this JT uh, who to set up the murder, you know, exhibited behavior that was like not the JT they knew. Well, to your point, um, our best new couple is very controversial, in my opinion, because it's Sierra and Ben on days. And I am kind of in the camp that you were just talking about where he is and will always be a serial killer. And that's not like, a oh, he got therapy and he's better now. So it's OK kind of situation that they're together. But, you know, having said that, I can't deny the appeal of Victoria Conifal and Robert Scott Wilson, who are performing the story. Um, they have such chemistry in their scenes. And, you know, how much this tale has really appealed to the fans and how the show has done their best to redeem Ben as much as they can. So that's why it was Sin for the win. Yeah, you know, I think the the buzz that Sin had this year is something any show would love to have and it's actually a really fun feeling, I think, when this list comes out to know that it means something to the Sin fans or, you know, to the Frizz fans, as we named uh, General Hospital's Liz and Franco uh, Best Couple, to see the magazine acknowledging, like, not just the quality of, of a pairing, but of the passion, acknowledging the passion that the fans have for the for the pairing itself. Oh, it was definitely my favorite issue of the year to buy when I wasn't working here. Yeah, I always too. look forward to it. I mean, it's so much fun. And I do appreciate that people actually still care about our choices. And, you know, I think it's sort of something that you and I always joke about that we should really start that list in like March, because sometimes you forget the things that happen at the beginning of the year by the time you get to the end of it, because it's important to like look at the year as a whole and really capture everything that went on. Um, You know, something you introduced to this section a few years ago is the honorable mentions category which are shorter, quicker shout outs. And it's awesome. Thank you, Mara. And our guest today was one half of one of the most entertaining duos with Nina. It's GH's Kathleen Gotti, who plays Dr. Liesel Obrecht. So let's get her on the phone to talk about her Port Charles experience. Well, hi, Kathleen. Hi, how are you? Good Good morning. This is Dr. Obrecht. This isn't (laughs) Kathleen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first, we want to start by saying how excited the fans are, and we are, that Obrecht is back. 
And you are actually talking to us today oh. as Kathleen and not Liesl. <laughs> no, Liesl's on vacation. <laughs> She's so, been very busy. Cuba, Cuba kept her very busy. She loved Cuba. The food was fantastic. <laughs> the music, everything was great. The lessons, the dance lessons, it was all great. Time of her life. For a brief period of time until those people talked me into coming back. <laughs> so are fans surprised when you meet them and you don't have Obrecht's accent? That's usually the first thing that people notice. Yes, they're absolutely surprised. You know, I've, I have been sharing that, and people have heard me and seen me in other shows, and you know, occasionally they'll they hear a you know a, an interview or something. But mostly, in in first time, they're like, "What? <laughs> you don't speak like that?" So I'm always happy about that. <laughs> so, like, oh, goody, fooled another person. Yay! <laughs> So you, um, of course, prior to General Hospital, you do have another daytime role on your resume, which was the character of Taffy on All My Children in like 1989 that had you working with Maurice Bernard, who was Nico on All My Children at the time and, of course, is now Sonny on General Hospital. Um, Tell us like what your AMC experience was like. You know, that was really, really fun. That was back in 89, 90. I was on for a couple of months. It was a Mrs. USA homemaker pageant. And they needed a, a, a character called Taffy Winslow, somehow another equally <clears throat> bitchy woman, <laughs> a, a really a, an evil, evil woman. I don't know why <laughs> I get these roles, <laughs> but um, <laughs> always happy. No, but it was actually it was one of the first really nasty roles I got to do. It's um, I played opposite Rosen Evans and Maurice. They were a couple on that show. And it was really fun. It was this this whole thing where I was competing for the Mrs. USA Homemaker of the Year prize against Rosen Evans' character. And I did dastardly things like, you know, back at the time, Photoshop cut off a a picture of her head, put it with a a naked body, so she got disqualified, (laughs) so I won. You know, it just... uh, Oh, I mean, and things like making... We had to, like, show how good we were cooking. And anyway, and I messed up her her egg whites and put water in it so they wouldn't beat properly. And I messed up her sink and the car, all kinds of things. So anyway, I got caught, but it was lots of fun. And, and I remember the first time walking, I I was in Bloomingdale's. I I went in and I bought myself to, to congratulate myself on this role. So I went and bought this beautiful red silk jacket where I immediately dropped a spot of grease on it and it was useless. But at the time I was so excited I know it was just heartbreaking, but so I don't buy anything like that for myself anymore because I'm a little piggy. So anyway, but um, <laughs> so I, I was in Bloomingdale's, and this group of women came up to me, and they were like, "Oh, you're!" you're they were so excited. They were like, oh, you're? Are you? Ta- are you on on, on all my children? And I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's my first sighting. This is so great. This is stardom. I've made it." And these women were like, "You're Taffy Winslow on General Ho- on on all my sorry on all my children." Was, yes, and they went. Their faces turned down, and they went, you are such a bitch. <laughs> and they walked away, and they were not happy about it at all. And I was devastated. I was like, but we're just playing. It, it's just a role. I'm not that mean. I, I don't have claws like that. I mean, it was just this terrible experience. And, and it was like, wow, I, I, I realized how seriously people take this. So anyway, but it, but I had a great time, and that was one thing. I had a great time. It was awesome to work with everyone. Um, it was Michael Knight, you know, all these people. They were just great and sunny. And here we are more with Maurice. Twenty five years later, we start working together. I'm like, you know, 
I go up to him, I said, I don't know if you remember me, but we worked together, and I told him the storyline, and of course, he's worked with thousands and thousands of people, and five million storylines and everything, so he didn't quite remember, but we, we love working together. We had a great time back then on All My Children, and also had a great time now. Same thing with Rick Springfield. I worked with him in a movie uh, in Hungary. He played my brother and oh. on that movie, and it was called A Change of Place. And then we did it, and then he was my brother-in-law. I guess we're both grandparents for a brief period of time on, on General Hospital. And it was like, it's so great to work with these people 20, 30 years later. You know, it's like we're all aging together, and it's like we're still here, thank God, alive, kicking, working, and, and you know, playing characters, different characters. So it was fun. It, it was really fun. Yeah. So I don't know if anyone remembers me from Kathy Winslow, but... She was a dastardly girl. Well, certainly those women in Bloomingdale's do. Yeah. But it's so funny to think of how quaint it is uh, to, like, mess up someone's eggs considering, you know, all the stuff Obrecht has done, you know, being introduced, you know, keep holding Robin, of all people, hostage. Yes, I know. That was the beginning. <laughs> the beginning of the end. <laughs> or the beginning of the beginning, actually. You know, it was just like two days. They just needed some Swiss-German character to come in and be the head of this clinic and do some bad things and then goodbye. And Ron, they brought me back. Bless their hearts. And, you know, I've been, I've done almost like 350 episodes in six and a half years. And Obrecht seems to not be going anywhere except sticking around and causing more, more trauma and damage and, and hopefully making people laugh in between all the, the bad things. Well, what does that mean to you? I mean, did you ever even think that the role was going to last this long since she wasn't initially slated to be long-term? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, I've done some series regular roles, and I've done, you know, recurring and guest roles. And so this was a guest role. It's like, okay, guest role. You go in, in, in standard as an actress you go, or actor, you go in, you do your job, you leave, and you move on to the next thing. And that's exactly what I do all the time because you don't get caught up. One of the things, though, as, as a, in training, and, and I've coached along the way, too, here and there, and it's like you always tell people, just do your best. Whatever you do, go in, do 200% like your life depends on it. You know, this is an important role. If it's one line, if it's a million lines, you just do your best. Pull, put in your whole heart, and and sometimes it pays off, and sometimes that's all they need. So it was it was really a beautiful thing to find out that they needed more. But I was not expecting it. And every day I get a new, you know, I get a call. We need you for another day. It's like wow, great. You know, I'm so grateful. But I, I'm it's a freelance career, and I'm. I, I do. I have done, you know, a series, but one year, two years, and then you float around, and so it's always different and always changing, and you don't expect more than what you're offered, very rarely. And so this this was really a, a lovely surprise, and it continues to be. Like I said, every time I'm still on board, I haven't been killed yet. I'm still there, you know, <laughs> still alive. It's it's fun. I love the fans. I love the show. I love the actors, the writing, the material, and I most of all, I love my character. I, I think. If I may say this, I have the best character. There's just so much an actor. You know, as an actor, you get to do everything in this role. I get to do everything from from being you know, comedic and campy and broad to being very sad and, and miserable and downtrodden to being evil and dark. I get to sing. I get to dance. It's It's been such a great role that every actor, I think, would drool for this. Because every time, you know, many most times you have a character... If you watch you know, any show on television, it's, it's kind of a one-dimensional character. You're good, you're bad, you, you, know, you, you come in, you say your lines, you go home. It's not that dynamic, but Obrecht is so dynamic, and it keeps me entertained. I, I need that. I get bored easily. That's why I like my career. It's freelance, and I, I do different things all the time. 
But with Obecht, it's always she's always doing bad things and you know, or good things or crazy things. So it keeps me on my toes and interested, and I need that as a, as a person and as an actor. Well, like for all the terrible things that Obrecht does, she is really super entertaining and funny and that, you know, is obviously a credit to your work, but they also have really started, you. you know, over time to to play that up and write to it. Did you always think she was funny? Like when did you realize that she's, you know, has this comic potential? I did not see that. It was, not, well, again, initially she was this very dour, tough, cold, heartless woman as the head of this clinic in Switzerland and kidnapping this woman for a couple of years and, and then putting uh, Robert Scorpio in a, in a coma. I mean, just terribly dark, cold, austere things that I had to do. And then I don't, honestly, I don't remember when I get to, I got to first do something comedic, but it was such a relief because there's only so many times as a villain, I think you don't last on these shows. You go down, 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 and then you're killed off. So you have to do something redeeming. I don't know, but the, but the writers saw something. You know, the first time I did a karaoke, is that all there is? Like a song <laughs> that was so great with you know, when 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 uh, Anna and I, I put poison in the champagne, yeah. hoping Anna will drink it, and and poor Duke drinks it instead, and and I'm standing behind them a foot away, going, "Is that all there is?" And I think maybe that was the turning point when they went. She can sing. Oh, and she's funny. So, and that was great because I've done lots of comedy in my career, and I love doing comedy. I think, you know, growing up, it was I love Lucy, Carol Burnett, um, uh, I Dream of Jeannie. I mean, all these fun, fun characters that made people laugh. And I saw what it did in my home, making us laugh, and how it helped if there were difficult times we're going through. And here you are laughing, enjoying, and I that got me so excited, making people laugh. And I love doing all the drama and all that stuff that's deep in my heart. I think it's my Eastern European background. It's, you know, that pathos and that, that sadness and sorrow. That, there's a lot of that in my history and in, in my background. And I think, but also making people laugh, that's also my background. And that's a very profound part of me. So when I first got to make people laugh and I saw the result, it was so heartwarming. It's like, oh, yes, yes. This is what I want to do. I want to make people laugh, you know, <laughs> or cry. But laughing is is probably the biggest um, gift you can give to people is to make them laugh. Because I know as an audience, I, there's nothing better in this world than I, I love is to be made to laugh. Well, the writers certainly give you some amazing dialogue. Is there any, like, Obrecht one-liner that stands out to you? Oh, the last one's like, spread those scrawny legs and push. <laughs> oh, my. So, so great with, with, uh, with Nell. Nell. I mean, some of the lines, oh, you know, some of them are sexual. Some of them are harsh. Some of them are fun. I mean, just, yeah, I, I, the writers write brilliantly for me. I, I've just been, like I said, so fortunate and blessed and grateful for the lines because every time I open a script, it's like, ooh, any doozies in this one? <laughs> Do you have to keep like a German dictionary on hand for some of the the stuff that gets sprinkled into your uh, your lines? Absolutely, but it's all on the, online now. It's the translate.google.com. I you know I check that out every time. There's something I listen to it, learn it, and if there's something I'm not sure about, a lot of it I have a sense of. I grew up. We spoke Hungarian at home. That was our first language, and English. Um, I, I was brought up in Canada, and my parents had just come out of Hungary during the revolution, and and so. 
they, we spoke Hungarian, but they would tell jokes and things. And they said in German, nicht für die Kinder, you know, not for the children or <laughs> something. So they would talk in German. So I kind of had some ear for it. But I, I also have some friends from Germany, so I'm a little stuck. I'll, I'll call them and say, does this sound right? So I always want to make sure it's right. And the biggest compliment is when a lot of German fans, they con you know, they write to me on, on Facebook or Twitter, or I see them at fan events, they come from Germany all the way from all over the world, but especially the German fans, they come and they say, that was so good, the way you said that, oh, and your accent is perfect, and I'm like, thank God. I hate to do anything phony, it's, it's, I'm really against that, I want to do as authentic stuff as I can, so. Well, you certainly succeed. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, I appreciate that, but when the German tells me, you sound authentic, oh, that's music to my ears. <laughs> I'm happy. Now, Obrecht has done some, you know, really beyond the pale things. Um, <laughs> do you ever worry, oh, gosh, yeah. she's gone too far. I'm going to Pentonville for good. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, the recent, you know, all that stuff with, with Peter as as Kathleen, I'm going, oh, this is terrible. This breaks my heart. I mean, I, I, I'd like to think that I have a, a decent heart and I don't want to hurt anybody. I've killed a few bugs in my life, but, you know, that's, it, it's very upsetting. And so, I, you know, I get these scripts and I go, oh, that's terrible. How could you do that? You know, break his hand and then beat him and then tie him up and, and torture. It's just tormenting. I mean, the heart, I think one of the hardest things I've told this at fan events is like when I had to eat in front of him and, you know, I'm starving him and it's just, you know, and, and I was devastated because, again, from my Eastern European background, it's like, Food was scarce. People were starving, and you don't, you know, food. It's you have to feed people. It's all about love and food. And here I am, starving him and eating a sandwich in front of him. And that was probably the darkest and deepest and most hurtful moment I had out of the three months of torturing him, or however long went on. You know, so so I definitely think this is unforgivable, and it worries me. And I think this is I, I would never forgive this character. Why would any other audience member do that? And then they and then. It was really interesting how the response from the fans, they were like, give it to him. He deserves it. He's a <laughs> bastard. You know, it just went on. And I was like, wow, they're on Obrecht's side. I was shocked. But, you know, in all of us, there's darkness. And in all of us, there's a sense of, you know, revenge. You know, if you really want to hurt somebody who hurt you, it's like, boy, you can think of all kinds of crazy things. But, you know, to actually do them and then on camera, and it's like it's a real situation, and you have to make the audience believe you. And so you have to believe it and be fully committed. It's hard. It, it's really, some of it's so dark and so beyond. And I go, this is, oh, she deserves to go to jail. And then I'll see the next episode, she's going to jail. And I'm going, good. She needs to. You know, it's like I'm totally, what's the right? But I'm shocked. Again, the fans like, no, save her. No. And I'm like, wow. You know, <laughs> I'm always surprised. But I'm absolutely, I, I'm with, the, you know, I, I work with the fans. It's like, no, no, no. I read the script and I go, oh, this is bad. This is really bad. But I've noticed over the years the fans really prefer the dark. You know, one of my favorite roles I was dreamed to aspire to be, besides being Carol Burnett or Lucille Ball, was um, uh, Mrs. Walton on The Waltons. Good morning. Good night, John Boy. I love you all. You know, just this warm, kind. That was my dream role as a kid. That's what I wanted to be when I grew up. But I see the fans, and I think we all vicariously, like, I love revenge movies. It's like, are you kidding? Yeah, you go back and you, you give it to them because they deserve it. So I, I get the audience vicariously live through these characters and these stories. So I'm, as long as I, you know, but again, I'm watching films and there's a lot of gratuitous violence. I'm very upset because I think it causes people to think the wrong way. 
So I'm always happy when it's it's revenge or someone gets caught and they get punished. But in soap opera, somehow we never do. So I don't know. It's, you know, it just seems to be, and, and Obrek somehow gets out and causes more trouble. But again, the fans love that. So if that's what they love, that's what we do. Kathleen, we make, we're here to make them happy. I thought it was so sweet. You told me that um, in between scenes, Wes Ramsey, who plays Peter, actually did eat the sandwich and that it made you feel better about oh, yeah. the whole thing. Oh, no, no, no. I was like, you, you want this? He goes, oh, yeah. He's like, oh, like thank God. <laughs> Honestly, that made me feel good. I was like, please eat this. He said, oh, no, no. I, he ate the fries and he ate the sandwich. I'm like, you know, I had that one bite. That was good. But it was like, here, you're so happy. And then the apple, you know, we had to, we did this thing where I, I eat an apple in front of him, I said, take a bite, and then he ate that too. So it was like, okay, good. At least the actor gets to eat. If the <laughs> character starves to death, at least the actor can eat, you know. <laughs> There's some sense of, you know. He was not method in those scenes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but he did such a good job. Oh, he, for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, and between the makeup and the, and, you know, the props and having him tied up and the, everything, the throwing things at, I mean, they did such a good job. And he was, he did such an authentic job. I felt awful. I mean, I had to fight because, you know, Obrecht's like, I don't care. This is what you're doing. But Kathleen is going, no, this is terrible. Look how sick he looks. Oh, my. Start. You know, it's like, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. And some of it was funny, too. And it's hard not to laugh at some of the funny stuff. You just have to forge on and just keep going like your life depends on it. Like Michelle Stafford with playing that bugle? Oh, yeah. That was funny. That was I don't know really how funny. you didn't laugh during that. Um, so one of we the- did. We, we laughed hysterically. Hopefully, you know, usually what you do is you get all the giggles out in rehearsal. You block and then you run it and then you have a you know, rehearsal and then everyone's a crew's laughing. The other actors were all laughing and then you get it's, you know, five, four, three, two, and then you do not laugh because you need to get that in the can done and move on. So, you know. You want to laugh good, it's your last laugh, you know. So you get those out early, but it's hard not to laugh. One of the uh, through lines for, for the character of Obrecht has been that she, she just does not like that Anna Devane. Um, tell us about what it has been like to, you know, spend six years working with Finola Hughes, the legend. She is fabulous. I mean, we have such a good time working together because she, she's very intense like me. I'm an intense actor. I don't make any bones about it. I chew that material up and spit it out. Mm-hmm. And, and she just, so we both are like, you ready? And we rehearse and we look at each other. And it's, like, it's very intense. It's fun. And, and she's, every time I get to work with her, it's so much fun. Because, and, and I don't even want to use the word fun. It's just very good. It's, I know she's going to bring it and challenge me. And I love that. She challenges the character. You know, both my character challenges her character. And then you have dynamics. And, and it's, it's more interesting to do that than just, you know, Dr. Finn did it. Did he? Yes, he did. Okay. And then, you, you know, you just said, and it's not, it doesn't move forward. But with her, there's always, our characters are very much head to head. And again, the fans love and support that. So it makes it fun. You know, we just keep bringing it because people love that. One of my favorite things this past year was the drunk scene and where mm-hmm. I come in and I'm drunk. Obrecht is never drunk, but she knows it's basically her end. Or she thinks it's her end. Cesar is going to come and get her. And she gets totally drunk and it shows up at, at, at uh, Anna's, Anna's house. And we had a blast doing that. It was just like this new, you know, every time we get to do something different and not say the same lines, not say the same situation, but we're challenging each other and going at it. Same thing with Michael, uh, with Dr. Finn, Michael Easton. These are great actors to work with. They've been doing so 
long time. They know their stuff. They know how to do it. You know, I still always feel like uh, it's just on point, you know, because it's a different medium than I'm used to. It is six and a half years, so I'm, I think I, I know what I'm doing You've now the on the show for the style. I got the hang of it, but it's always like, you know, my character so campy, everyone's so straight, basically. I think Roger Howard and my character were the two campy, broad characters. Everyone is the legit. We're the soap actors. We do the drama. We do the crying. The, you know, our characters were all over the place. So, uh, you know, you, you never want to get too broad, but you want to make sure you serve the character. And with, with uh, Anna Devane, you know, these characters, they're both, I mean, there's just so much going at it. It's very soapy, but I hope, hopefully it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 a great thing to work with her. She's fabulous. Well, speaking of Roger Howarth, one of the through lines for Obrecht has been her relationship with Franco, which was very warm, save for the fact that she knocked him unconscious on the docks the last time she saw him. <laughs> but what is Roger, his portrayer, like? He was trying to block me from killing Peter August. That wasn't very nice. Rude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very rude. That was my friend. What kind of thing is that? Yeah. <laughs> well, tell us what it's like to work with Roger. Um, he's he's a very interesting person. I don't, I can't say I know him. Um, you know, we have different relationships with everyone. He's, he's a very good actor. He's great to work with. Um, he challenges me. So I, and, and, and I'm very, I'm a very meticulous actor. I think that's, that's tough for some people because it's like, I need word for word. I need everything word perfect. My character, I can't deviate from the writing. So I need everyone else to say exactly what is written so that I can, you know, give back my material. And, and some of these actors that have been doing soaps a long time, they like to, you know, make the material their own. And he, unfortunately with me, he can't. And I think he's like, oh, boy, I have to bring her exactly what she wants. And Okay, fine. I'm too square. But the character is too square. Oh, Brecht, there's no room and there's no time for creativity and writing. And the writing is so perfect for Obrecht and it's stylized and it's floral and poetic. And so I, I really can't get, you know, off the, off the written page. So he's with me. He's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> the exact word is this. Do you mind if I change this one word? I'm like, okay. You know, so <laughs> I think I challenge him. But we have a great time. He's a wonderful actor. It's, it's a pleasure to work with him. Every actor on that show, I'm always excited because you have different dynamics. with every. It's a relationship. It's chemistry or lack thereof, whatever. So every person you have to have, it's like a, being in a huge family or wherever you work. Each person, you have a different relationship with your boss, with your partner, with your your husband or wife or lover. You know, it's like everyone you have a different uh, dynamics with. And that's the same thing on the soap. It's like each person. And that's why I love it. I've worked with almost everyone on the show. And everyone brings something different, as do I. I mean, I, I have my quirks and my weird things, and they're like either they're happy to work with me or they're not, but we have to work together. You know, it's like so you have to make it work, whatever that is. And some relationships work terrific on camera. And, and, you know, and those are the fun, like the ones I have with Roger and the ones I have with Finola. You know, these are great relationships in Michael Easton and Dr. Finn. And we've mm-hmm. had wonderful years working together. I've just started working with, with uh, opposite Valentine, James Patrick Stewart, who's fabulous. I loved him when I saw him on Frasier 20 years ago. He was brilliant. And to get to work with him is just, whoa. So, and Michelle Stafford is genius. I mean, it's just, it's a feast. It's an actor's feast to get to work with all these different people. Again, everyone brings something different. They're all fabulous in their own way. Um, and again, it's all relationship, you know. So you just go, okay, each though this, and it helps. A lot of it helps the, you know, with Roger because he's so funny and great. It helps the character. But their relationship has not been good on camera. He's done a couple things. She, you know, he's been like, 
it's all been about Nina, Nina, Nina for years. And he, she was like, what, what about our friendship? And it was all about him, and he was very self-concerned, and she was devastated. She has no one. She just had her son and, and, uh, and, and Franco, and now her son's gone, and Franco was kind of off the, off the board. So, you know, let's see if that will warm up again. I'm not sure. So speaking of James Patrick Stewart and Valentine, we just saw uh, Obrecht, you know, put together that Valentine is deceiving <laughs> Nina by convincing her that Sasha is her daughter. Uh, so that's pretty, right. pretty powerful information. So uh, what can you tease about what is coming up for Obrecht now that she is back in the United States? Well, because Obrecht is a survivor, she will do everything she can and she's clever. I love that. I'm not clever. She is so clever. She figures out everything. And people are like, well, she's just crazy. It's like nothing about this woman is crazy. She has her poo-poo together. She knows exactly what she's doing. And she has always has a plan. And if there's no plan, she has a backup. No, you know, so she's always ready. And mm-hmm. she's ready. She's like, okay. You know, she's ready to, uh, to, to, get, to get on board, you know, to, to get people on board for what she needs. So she will do what she needs to get it there. Anyway, yeah, yeah I, th- I think she's got a plan and she's going to work out, you know, Valentine, because she saw something. So there's something that she, she says, I can say there's some really good stuff coming up. I can't tell you what, but stay tuned, which is, I always love to say, but there's really, you know, Obrecht will keep you on your toes. She was, she was, there's no slacking here. <laughs> well, she always does. Um, before we let you go, we just want to know, what do you see as Obrecht's redeeming qualities? None. <laughs> I have to look really hard. Redeeming qualities. Well, I, she can sing a little and dance a little, <laughs> make people laugh a little. But basic, I, no, I, I, I'm not. She does a great Krampus. Great Krampus. Yeah, that was so much fun. <laughs> um, um, I, I think she really doesn't, have, in my humble opinion, there isn't much redeemable about her, but the fans thankfully don't think that. I think because she has a heart somewhere underneath it, like Maxie can see her heart. Nina sort of saw her heart in all that anguish and, you know, doing all the stuff with Peter. She was sort of convinced. So there's some, I have to dig deep here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I don't know she does have redeeming, but I don't know if she needs to be. Again, I think the fans need these people they want to hate. They want to be dark with. They want... You know, they need to vicariously be dark underneath it. So, you know, or with my character. So I think um, redeeming, I, I think because she has a heart and she does care, but there's so many people she doesn't like, and she's out for everyone. She's very distrustful. And, you know, you do see that with people. Um, I can see that in myself as I'm getting older. I've been hurt by so many people. You pull in your tentacles. You don't open your heart to hardly anyone, maybe one person, half a person. You know, you don't trust anyone. And... And, and I don't know, I, I think, I don't, again, I, you know, what do you think is her redeeming? Let me ask you, do, do you think she has any redeeming qualities? I, I mean, I do. I do think that she is very loyal. Uh, she needs loyalty in return, but she loves hard yeah. her version <laughs> yes, of love. Exactly. She found something to love in Faison, which isn't easy. Yeah, that was interesting. But again, that I can attribute because I think everyone I, I've talked to, you know, fans about this said, Nazim, it's like when you're younger, we all have fallen in love with people that our parents go, are you serious? Is that <laughs> how I brought you up? Fall in love with this crazy person or this lazy person or this, you know, 
person who who cheats on you or or who has bad qualities or you know whatever. But but this this man, they're young, they're sexually excitable, you know, they were they were interested in each other and each other's brain. And to her, she was you know his brain and his demented whatever his thoughts. It turned her on. And and she's also dark and devious. So there was a major attraction in the youth. They had some children together. But he was also, and, and I have to say, I kind of did this myself in my youth. I mean, I, mean, I, I was, you know, I, I'm not sure this is good for public radio, but I, I had a partner, and he was brilliant and smart, but he was also crazy. And, I, and there was just so many, you know, I, I, I chose perhaps not the right way, but different things attracted me back then. Today I'm going, I'm older, I need logical I need sane, I need loving, I need trustworthy. You know, there's just so many things you grow up and you realize that, nah, that didn't work. But but I can see her, her and again, you have to justify it as, a, as an actor. You have to believe it yourself to make the audience believe it. And I don't want people going, why would you be with someone like that? Because, well, wait a minute, didn't you fall in love with someone you shouldn't have? Oh, yeah. And everyone knows that. We've all done that, I think, 99.99% of people. You know, unless you fall in love with your first perfect guy from high school and, and you live with them for the rest of your life and you live happily ever after. But that's very rare. So I, I think we've all made the mistake, and I think she definitely was in love with his mind, plus all the, the chemistry between them back then. You know, we're talking 40 years ago, 35 years ago. So, and what happened later, and now he's dead, and it's like, you know, there's, so there's a lot of history there. But I think those are, those are things people can relate to, but you have to explain it sometimes. Right. That these mm-hmm. things happen. Mm-hmm. Well, it was so great to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining us and telling us all about Obrecht. Thank you. All I can say is stay tuned. There's some really funny, good stuff, maybe redeeming stuff coming up, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> happy holidays to you guys. Yes, happy holidays to you. Happy holidays. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Have Bye, a great day. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Kathleen Gotti for being our guest. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.